Welcome to the Soul of Islam radio podcast with Ahmed Saqqa Amini and Emil Ihsan Alexander Turabi. This is episode number one. My name is Ahmed Saqamini and I am a researcher in atomic molecular optical physics, a spoken word artist, and deeply committed to sharing the fundamental connection between science and spirituality with our community and beyond. The Soul of Islam podcast is dedicated to sharing the deeper dimension of Islam and to supporting your personal growth and spiritual development. We host a range of guest speakers on a variety of relevant topics, all with the singular purpose of helping our community to move forward in the progressive spirit of Islam. Joining me today is Ehsan, founder and creator of the Evolutionary Islamic Meditation Program, to talk about our vision for Soul of Islam Radio. Ehsan, welcome. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Thank you, Ahmad. It's my pleasure to be joining you here and to have the opportunity to share our hopes and our vision with this podcast. So uh, let us proceed uh, with a short interview here. Why the soul of Islam? Why the name? You know, when we talk about the soul of a thing, we are essentially talking about its essence, its reality, its deepest aspect. And it's always been my purpose, it's always been my goal to try to point towards the essence of Islam, the soul of Islam. When the essence of a thing is lost or neglected, its reality becomes lost, its reality becomes distorted, its reality becomes, at times, at worst, the antithesis of its very purpose. Any body, any form must have a soul. Otherwise, it's just a rigid form, it's just a static, rigid hard shell, lacking its true life, its vitality, its purpose. Any form is a vehicle for its soul. And in the same way, religion has a soul. Religion has a purpose beyond its forms, beyond its canon, beyond its creed, beyond its rituals. And the form of religion, the expression of religion in the physical world, that physical manifestation is meant to protect, to house, and to give expression to its inner dimension, its spirituality, its soul. A body without a soul. A body is dead without a soul. Now, you mentioned the word dimension. In your work, you mentioned two dimensions of Islam. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yes, inshallah. So, in my work, I talk about the two dimensions of Islam. And... Sometimes it took me a while to really understand this myself because unfortunately we're typically taught really just one dimension of Islam, its physical dimension, its physical expression. Again, we're taught the forms of Islam, but oftentimes what tends to be lacking is the inner dimension of Islam. So in my work, I try to point out that there are these two dimensions to Islam, just like there are two dimensions to anything, an outer and an inner To anything, there's a form, and then there's also the essence. There's its body and its spirit or its soul. In Islam, the forms of Islam we're very familiar with, and this is typically when we're described what Islam is. Usually, we're talking about the forms of Islam. This can, at its most basic level, be the five pillars of Islam. The prayers, the fasting, the pilgrimage to Mecca, the giving of zakat, And of course, the bearing witness, the testimony of faith. These are all physical actions. 
Yet Islam goes much deeper. And the inner dimension, the spirituality of Islam, is that other dimension. It's the second dimension. This has to do with what's happening inside of our beings. So the question is, if a person is praying, if a believer, a Muslim, is praying, and in the ritual prayer, salah, what's happening inside? That's just as important, if not more important, than the physical actions. A human being may be going through the physical motions of prayer, but the mind, the soul, the state of presence may be completely lacking. And thus the experience, the true benefit of the experience, is diminished or at times even lost. And again, at worst, it can become the antithesis of its very purpose. The two dimensions, the outer and the inner, both must be honored. Both must be kept to really have a balanced practice and one that truly meets the purpose of the way, of the path. In your work, you've also mentioned the stages of Islam. What are they and how many are there? There's a well-known hadith known as the Hadith of Jibreel, in which, and I'll relate it very briefly here, in which the Prophet is sitting with his companions and a stranger approaches them from beyond the city. And no one of the companions of the Prophet recognized this man, yet he's dressed in pure white clothing and there's no dust on his attire. So this is quite surprising because he's clearly traveled from a great distance. Nobody knows him in the area, yet his clothes are completely untarnished. And this man sits down directly in front of the Prophet ﷺ, his knees virtually touching the knees of the Prophet, very close, very intimate with the Prophet ﷺ. And the companion sitting around the Prophet asks or wonder, who is this man that seems to know the Prophet so well? And after giving salams, the stranger asks the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, what is Islam? And then the Prophet ﷺ goes on to say that Islam is to bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and that I am his messenger, to pray your five prayers on a daily basis, to give zakat, to make hajj, and to fast during the month of Ramadan. And then the stranger says, Ya Rasulullah, you are correct. So this is surprising to the companion sitting with the Prophet Of course, all of this is quite surprising to them. Stranger from far away coming, sitting, very close, asking the Prophet a question, and then even telling the Prophet that the Prophet is correct. But out of humility, out of adab, they don't say anything. And then the stranger continues to ask, Ya Rasulullah, what is iman? What is faith? What is belief? Iman. And the Prophet ﷺ says, then the six articles of faith, to believe in Allah, to believe in His angels, to believe in the prophets, to believe in the day of judgment, to believe in the holy books, and in destiny, divine destiny. And the stranger says, Ya Rasulullah, you are correct. Again surprising to the companions of the Prophet. And then he says, Ya Rasulullah, what is Ihsan? And the Prophet says, after a moment of silence, Ihsan is to worship Allah as if you are seeing Him, and to be with Allah as if you are seeing Him, but even if you are not seeing Him, to know that He is with you. And the stranger then replies, You are correct. And after a brief few other words that are exchanged, the stranger gets up, takes his leave, and walks away. And the Prophet then ask his companions, do you know who that was? And the companions out of humility and adab say, Ya Rasulullah, Allah and His Messenger know best. And the Prophet says, that was Jibreel who came to teach you your religion. So from this, it can be deduced and scholars of Islam and Islamic spirituality have pointed out that there are 
stages within Islamic spiritual development, primarily three main stages or categories within the progression of Islamic spiritual development. The first one we can refer to as Maqam al-Islam, and then Maqam al-Iman, and then lastly Maqam al-Ihsan. This correlates with the different states of being that the Prophet describes and which are described in the Holy Quran as well. Muslim, Mu'min, and Muhsin. So there are these three different stages in Islam, in Islamic spirituality. And it becomes imperative for us to realize, to understand that Islam does not end with Islam. Islam is only the beginning. The five pillars are only the beginning. They're just the doorway into a much deeper experience, a much more profound experience of real spirituality, of real awakening. The goal being ultimately the attainment of maqam al-ihsan, the attainment of this state of ihsan to become a muhsin, who is, as the Prophet ﷺ described, in a state of perpetual awareness of the imminence of the Divine Presence of Allah Almighty. This state of ihsan is a state of presence, it's a state of awareness, a state of consciousness, it's an awakened state. And this then is the actual goal of Islam, the goal of the Islamic spiritual path. So you've mentioned so far the two dimensions of Islam, the inner, the outer, and now the three stages, Maqam al-Islam, Maqam al-Iman, and Maqam al-Ihsan. So I feel a need that we need to ask the question, and I'm sure the listeners feel the same way, what is the purpose of Islam? Allah Almighty says in a holy hadith Qudsi that the Prophet related, I was a hidden treasure and I wanted to be known, so I created. The purpose of creation, the purpose of religion, the purpose of Islam, the purpose of spirituality is to awaken to the divine presence of Allah Almighty, our source, our creator, to again return to the divine presence, consciously awake, the goal of Islam, the purpose of Islam, is nothing short of absolute enlightenment, awakening, awareness, God consciousness, marifa, the discovery of one's true source, essence, being, soul, one's true reality. And all of life serves this purpose, this awakening, this developmental path to greater and greater levels of consciousness. This in Islam is known as marifa knowledge of God, and the path to marifa, the path to knowledge of God is through knowledge of the self. Again, looking inward, not outward. The Prophet ﷺ also said, he or she who knows themselves are as they who know their Lord, pointing that the path to Allah Almighty, the path to the Divine Presence, is inward. The way is a knowledge of the self. Truly understanding the self and ultimately by transcending the self do we attain the divine presence of Allah Almighty. I feel a need to go back to what you said earlier, a body without a soul, without spirituality. Um, could you explain a little bit more? Give us examples maybe. So the human body, once the soul leaves it, it's, it's dead. It becomes cold, becomes rigid, inflexible. And the degree to which spirituality is missing in life, whether it's in a human body or anything else, is the degree to which that thing becomes rigid, inflexible, hard, static, unmoving, non-progressing. 
as youth, as children, we're naturally given, because we're close to our fitrah, an abundance of spirituality automatically, unconsciously, spiritual energy. And children are naturally flexible, youthful, strong, alive, vibrant, and naturally joyous, happy, and healthy. They're naturally whole. But as we grow, as we develop in the world, the presence of spirit within begins to diminish unless it's consciously cultivated. So unless a human being is consciously cultivating spirituality, you'll notice the body becoming more rigid, more inflexible, weaker, as the presence of spirit within diminishes. This is true for any body. And religion, if we look at it in terms of a body, is the same way. If it's missing its soul, if it's missing its spirituality, it becomes increasingly fragmented, rigid, structured, harsh. When the spirituality is missing, that flow of divine energy, that flow of divine light, mercy, love, becomes lost. Its essence becomes lost. And unfortunately, we then end up with manifestations of religion that are very well the antithesis of the purpose of religion. Extremism, fundamentalism, and at times complete and pure total insanity. The purpose of Islam is love, compassion, wholeness, and unity. Yet we can see when spirituality is missing from religion, where it's purely formalized, ritualized, canonized, institutionalized, made rigid into a set of beliefs, missing the heart and soul, well, we see abhorrent manifestations of religion. This then leads to violence, terrorism, extremism, horrific manifestations within Islam, a religion at its core devoted to peace and serenity, to tranquility, harmony, to love and to light. The Prophet ﷺ said that there is a piece of flesh within the body that if it's good, the entire system will be good. And that is the heart. So Islam truly is a way of the heart, a religion of the heart, of purifying and cleansing the heart. And Allah throughout the Quran talks about tazgiyah, the purification of the self, the purification of the heart and soul. Again, in spirituality, we know that the soul resides within the spiritual heart. And the ego, the nafs, the home of the ego is in the mind, it's in the head. So in most human beings' lives, there's this conflict constantly between the mind and the heart between the ego and the soul. When religion is mind-dominated, intellectually dominated, it becomes truly an ego-driven expression, lacking real spirituality. The Prophet again pointed towards the the importance, the extreme importance of the heart, of the soul, and of this being a way of the heart. Part of spiritual development and spiritual growth is developing centeredness, rootedness within the heart center heart consciousness, heart-based consciousness. That then becomes living life through your soul rather than through the mind and the ego. And that is the path to peace and serenity to tranquility and to true guidance. Okay, so you spoke about heart-based consciousness. How can one find his way to his heart? As children, we are naturally in tune with our hearts and our souls. We're free. And the mind is less active. Yet as we grow up, as we develop in the world, and as we're indoctrinated and programmed by the world, by our environment, by our peers, by our parents, we become increasingly mind and thus ego-dominated. 
It's almost a loss of innocence, a loss of paradise. And every human being goes through this, the great fall. Yet then it becomes our life purpose to return to that innocence, to return to that purity, that original innocence, known as fitra, that original state of Islam. And the path to doing that is then through transcending, going beyond the mind, learning how to still, quiet, and surrender the mind is the path back to your heart and soul. Learning how to quiet, still, and surrender your mind is the path back to your heart, your soul, and your true being. This is beautifully exemplified in our prayer, in our salah, where we begin with standing, and then ultimately move into ruku, and finally into sajda, sujud, in which the forehead is placed in prostration on the ground. The heart is elevated above the mind in this posture. And the Prophet ﷺ said that we are closest to Allah's divine presence when we are in sajda. That means that when the heart is elevated above the mind, when the heart is given back its rightful place of dominion within our being, and the mind, the ego is dethroned, we are closer to Allah. So we know that Islam means to surrender. Unfortunately, sometimes the deeper dimension of this again is lost. And we think that, or we stop at the meaning or the understanding that Islam means to surrender just physically to laws, rules, regulations, do's and don'ts. But that's just the beginning. The true surrender goes inward, deepwards. Like in the Hadith of Jibreel, the Prophet ﷺ described Islam, Iman and Ihsan, we see this progressive movement inward, beginning first with the body, and then with the mind, and ultimately with the heart, with the soul. Progressive states of surrender, internal spiritual surrender. To the apex of Islam is the transcendence of the mind, the re-establishing the heart as our base, our center, our core. And so the path to returning to our heart is by going beyond the mind, learning how to transcend the mind, still quiet it, and bring it into a state of surrender, into a state of Islam. Do you feel that there is a need for an Islamic renaissance? Yes, absolutely. The Prophet said that the best generation is my generation, and then the one that follows that, and then the one that follows that. The early experience of Islam was fueled by a deep connection to the Prophet his spirituality, and to the reality, the depth of Islam. It's, its soul. Over time, as it became lost, and the religion became increasingly form-focused, we lost the spiritual power, that spiritual divine support that comes through spirituality, real sincerity. Over time, we've completely lost the way. The early golden age of Islam, the first golden age of Islam, was fueled by the fire of spiritual enlightenment, seeking knowledge, real knowledge, for the early Muslims, all knowledge pointed towards Allah, whether it was science, nature, medicine, astronomy, anything. It was all pathways to deepen one's understanding of spirituality, to deepen one's understanding of Islam. Yet at some point, spirituality ceased to become the focus of our lives, and materialism, worldliness then became the focus, and spirituality religion became relegated to the side. Consequently, we've lost our support, we've lost our power, and we're no longer leading, but we're following. An Islamic renaissance is overdue. A reawakening to the truth, the reality, 
the spirituality of Islam. That is what makes our nation great. That is what makes our community honored, divine, blessed, supported. We're not special simply because we can label ourselves Muslims or label ourselves followers of the Prophet Muhammad We're not special based on an identity. But what makes us great, if anything, is our actions, our sincerity, our love, our pursuit of truth. That's what Allah wants. Why are we here? Why are we created? Why do we exist on this planet? Is it just to survive? To etch out a living, any means possible? Whether that's through law, medicine, engineering, business? Or are we here for a greater purpose? When we can align our practical purpose with our divine purpose, we will be divinely supported. And that can only happen when spirituality again becomes the focus of our lives. The motivating factor, the motivating drive, our inspiration. When Islam is missing its spiritual element, its spiritual education, it naturally falls to the side and ceases to become the primary focus of our lives. But when its spirituality, its true purpose is reintroduced, it fuels everything we do. It fuels all of our activities, all of our endeavors, all of our intentions. And then everything we do becomes divinely blessed. Everything we do then becomes ibadah, service and worship for the divine, for a greater purpose. Then we act consciously in the world. We work consciously. We create consciously with purpose, divine purpose. If we're involved in engineering, we create with deep reverence and respect and inspiration. We develop technologies that work in harmony with Allah's creation, not destroying Allah's creation. If we're involved in medicine, we develop techniques, tools, medicines that work in harmony with Allah's creation again, that support the system, that support life, looking at the body as a divine creation, not prone to disease, but rather that disease being the exception. And if we can restore balance to the system, it will naturally heal itself by Allah's grace and divine power, as it was meant to as it does continuously. We then become leaders in our fields instead of followers. It's up to us. Allah gave us this amana, this trust, as divine deputies, stewards of creation. It's up to us to lead the way with solutions. It's up to us to lead the way forward in our culture, in our civilization. The question is, what is civilization? Civilization is not simply the progress of technology and technological empowerment. Civilization is the progress of human culture, of human understanding, of human knowledge. Real progress is cultural progress. Real civilization is personal civilization, personal transformation, human evolution. That defines civilization. That defines culture, not technology. And when we realign ourselves with this divine purpose, we will again become leaders in all fields as we were meant to be, inspired, guided, led by Allah's divine will and presence. In the way of the Prophet Muhammad we can heal our planet, we can heal our lives, we can heal our families, our societies, our communities, our nations. Yet it all begins with returning to the spirituality, the purpose of Islam, awakening, consciousness, enlightenment, personal evolution, personal growth, personal development. It begins with returning to the soul of Islam. SubhanAllah. The spiritual connection seems to be the missing piece in our community. Before we conclude, do you have any suggestions for our listeners? 
Yes, I would suggest three things at this point. Number one, continually seek knowledge, continually learn. This was the mandate of the Prophet He said, seek knowledge continually from the cradle to the grave. Seek knowledge even unto China. So in your life, support yourself with knowledge, empowering knowledge, information that is in alignment with your purpose. Stay plugged into sources of knowledge that inshallah will support your personal growth and your spiritual development that will support your health, your wellness, your happiness. Number two, begin facilitating the process of developing heart-based experience, heart-based consciousness. Begin experiencing and living in the present moment. And you can do this by doing everything you do with reverence, with awareness, with consciousness, and with intention. Anything you do, everything you do, whether it's walking, cooking, cleaning, speaking, or praying, do it with presence, do it with awareness, and thus everything becomes ibadah, everything becomes an act of worship, everything becomes infused with remembrance of Allah Almighty, Dhikrullah, experience your life, don't do things just to get them done, the prayer is, the salah is meant to teach us how to live our lives in a state of presence, in a state of gratitude, in a state of continual appreciation of what is, in love and in humility in the presence of Allah Almighty, to do everything with that intention, with that state. And everything will become meaningful, everything will become beautiful. You begin to become truly grateful for every moment. And number three, I highly suggest a dedicated daily meditative spiritual practice. Meditation can teach you how to develop rootedness and presence. It can teach you how to be in tune with your body and to begin learning through feeling, through the heart, rather than through the mind. I recommend at least 20 minutes per day of just sitting in the divine presence of Allah Almighty. Just you and your Lord, allowing your mind to quiet, still, and surrender, allowing a greater consciousness to arise within your being, the consciousness of your heart, your soul. So again, those three suggestions would be number one, stay plugged in and continue to seek beneficial knowledge. Number two, do everything with reverence and with presence. And number three, practice meditation daily. And know that your meditation practice is a practice that is meant to be taken beyond the practice itself. So you will learn through meditation how to be in a state of presence. Take that state of presence then into everything you do. Most importantly, specifically, your salah, your prayer. Thank you so much, Brother Ahsan. That was beautiful. You're most welcome, Ahmed. And thank you for hosting this program. Thank you. Alhamdulillah wa shukrulillah. I would like to thank everyone for joining us today, for tuning in. Please visit us at soulofislamradio.com. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Um, please share with friends and loved ones. And to learn more about the Islamic Meditation Program, please visit islamicmeditation.com, where you can get instant access to a free mini course in Islamic spirituality, as well as download a sample uh, meditation audio soundtrack to help you experience Islamic meditation. And with that, may peace and blessings be upon your soul. Assalamu alaikum.